0: and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Kate Stillman, and we're going to explore how to develop a thriving community beyond Facebook groups. By the way, if you want to reach me, simply email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com or hit me up on Instagram at Stelzner, S-T-E-L-Z-N-E-R. And now for this week's brand new discovery
1: helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
0: Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
1: I found a really cool tool that takes your gifts to the next level. Talk to me. So GIFs, and I'm not even going to get into the, ba- the debate of you know what we call them. I'm just going to go with that pronunciation. But gifts are this... Image slash video, quick little, you know, visual stimuli that everybody responds to. You know, it's baked into Twitter, it's baked into Facebook. You can respond with those things. But GIF Note actually allows you to send GIFs that have music accompanying them, licensed music, that is.
0: Well, I guess then the real question is is it really a GIF if it has music? It's probably not, right?
1: Well, I mean, you take the GIF and then you add the music, so it's almost like augmenting the GIF. So
0: augmented I, gifality.
1: There you go. That's the ne- <laughs> you heard it here first. That's the next realm right there.
0: So, okay, so tell us how it works.
1: So it, it's real easy. I mean, what it what it is is you can you can do this from the website. There's also an iOS app. You can easily find it by going to GIF n-o-t-e dot com gifnote dot com there you can search for gift notes and create your own as well as download them on the app and you can do them there as well and again the reason that they can do this is because the parent company audio byte has agreements with those um, the licensing with um, you know the major labels universal sony uh, warner and so they have the allowance for us to be able to partake and do in using these does, song clips it
0: mean that we're taking like the giphy library and adding it in with the audio clips or do we have to create our own gifs or how does that work?
1: No, because when you go to the site or use the app, you can find them there. Um you I mean you literally you see all of the popular ones, you see the trending ones first. And then there's all these other categories you can search, even you can, you know, you can type it in like you usually do. Like when you're like trying to find that perfect GIF, you can do that, but then you can take it one step further and see all the different possible, like search for songs that would also fit that imagery. So So it's pretty cool. Do you
0: start by finding the animated GIF that you like and then adding music to it? Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, that's the idea behind it. I always go for the visual first and then find the music. Although, I've gone the other way around where I've then been like, "Oh, wait, look at all the options here for songs." So,
0: interesting. Yeah. Now, um, I would imagine they have their own database of animated GIFs that might be separate from the kind that we find on the social platforms or have you found it to be pretty exhaustive as far as the options?
1: I, you know, I can't tell that I'm not already in, you know, the other popular search for GIFs, Giphy.
0: How long does it play the music clip before it starts repeating it?
1: It is about five to at maximum 30 seconds. Got it. And that's what they're allowed to do.
0: And then what's the output? A movie file, I would imagine, right?
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Awesome. And does the music include vocal music or is it just instrumental kind of music or? No,
1: there's, I mean, there's, there's anything you can think of in here.
0: Uh, I mean, music and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Pop music. I mean, it, it, I mean, half the, half the bang for your buck with the music is that it's got the lyrics to something that you're familiar with. So, and it's the real song.
0: Got it. And do they actually show the lyrics over the top or is it just. No. Okay. No,
1: it's just the sounds. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Where do we find this thing?
1: So again, gifnote.com, G-I-F-N-O-T-E.com.
0: Thank you for that amazing find, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner, the best of the best So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for this week's interview with Kate Stillman.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Kate Stillman. If you don't know who Kate is, she is a podcaster, blogger, and author of the book, Body Thrive. She coaches people who want to thrive in their body or in their life. And she also works with wellness professionals. Kate is also an expert in developing communities. Kate, super exciting to have you today.
2: Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here.
0: So today, Kate and I are going to explore how to develop a thriving community that goes way beyond Facebook groups. So uh, Kate, you and I have met at an event in the past. And of course, we've also met at my event, Social Media Marketing World. I would love for you to share your backstory. How in the world did you get here? Um, Start wherever you want to start.
2: Yeah, sure. So I've been an activist uh, since high school in International environmental politics and wanting to help the planet thrive, wanting to help people thrive, and that brought me into Ayurvedic medicine and yoga. Eventually, when I realized that I wanted to help people become more conscious, I had, I had been working in global warming politics and in Washington D.C. and and really went the other way of human consciousness, and that brought me in deep into the studies of Ayurveda and yoga. I became an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner and a yoga teacher. And along the way, found that my teachings were original, and I became a, a natural creator of content and curriculums, of which people engaged with. So then I became a creator of communities.
0: Well, let's step back a little further. Uh, what was the first thing you did that kind of led to community?
2: Well, in in Yoga Healer, it's been interesting. It was really creating courses. So I was, I was living in Driggs, Idaho, and I was an Ayurvedic practitioner, newly minted. Can you explain what
0: that is? Because I have no idea what that means.
2: Yeah. So Ayurveda, A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. Ayur means life. And Veda is wisdom. It's the wisdom of life. It's the wisdom tradition behind yoga, which is a path of enlightenment. So how do you live a life of radiant longevity? That is the science and the art of living. That is Ayurveda. And it's from India. It's, It's a wisdom tradition that is four to 5,000 years old, or the pre-Vedas are even older than that. And what I fell in love with with Ayurveda was a deep understanding of human consciousness and, and human development or evolution, what helps us be become better human beings, more embodied human beings, healthier bodies, healthier lives, but also more, more interconnected and spiritually developed and evolved.
0: So you started the blog Yoga Healer, and how long ago was that approximately?
2: When did I start the blog? Well, I started yogahealer.com in 2001 when I was still studying. I was still in school uh, and living in San Francisco. I actually traded. I I posted. This is funny. I posted on Craigslist in 2001. I said, if you have back pain but you know how to develop websites, email me. I got 30 responses being in San Francisco in 2001. A lot of web developers were out of work. and. Started, started Yogahealer.com on Dreamweaver 8, or 4, wow. I think was the, uh, the version of that. And what happened is, because of being an original teacher, I would teach workshops in San Francisco. I would teach workshops eventually wherever I was. I would just say, hey, if yoga studios, hey, do you want me to teach a workshop on Ayurveda? And they'd say, oh, you're what? And I'd say, <laughs> well, you know, as, as a yoga studio, you have yoga teachers, and they should know a little bit of something about this. is the This is on the other side of the coin of, of yoga. This is the habits of yogis. And they would say, sure. So I started to do that. And I developed a bit of an email list. And I would—I was using, I believe, Constant Contact was around in 2001, 2002. So I'd manually add people in Constant Contact and started to grow a list and a newsletter.
0: And then eventually you turned that website also into a place where you published articles, I would imagine, right?
2: Yeah, articles and podcasts and all sorts of free content, video series, etc. So yeah, it became a blog. And it's interesting to go back. I, my guess is somewhere around 2007, it became a blog. And in 2012, a podcast was added to that site awesome. too.
0: Awesome. And give us kind of an update on where it is today and what you're doing today.
2: Yeah. So it it expanded. And what, ex, what happened with Yoga Healer is people would take the courses. And a lot of yoga teachers and other wellness, what we call wellness profes- professionals or wellness pros, would take the courses, and they wanted to share it within their own communities. And that gave birth to another body of work, another uh, organization called the Yoga Health Coaches. We have the Worldwide Association of Yoga Health Coaches. We have yogahealthcoaching.com, and we have a blog and a podcast on that platform there that's mostly community-developed content. And these these coaches are coaching my method, uh, which is Body Thrive, which isn't really mine at all. It's just I all I did, Michael, it's pretty simple, is I just took the habits of yogis and wrote a habit book body thrive and developed a habit-based course, and how do you actually live the habits of yogis in this pretty complex modern age, right, where we've got hyperstimulation, we've got people that are underslept and overfed and overstimulated and it's breaking down their immune systems, and this is the world in which yoga and Ayurveda is arising right now, so as a wellness professional, like this, is the, this is the world that we're working with when we, when we go to work in the morning. And so, how do we how do we live the habits that are counter culture that are actually quite rebellious in the culture today, where people are staying up late, people are eating their latest meal at the at the end of the day, not uh, not in the middle of the day when they actually have time to still digest their food. And so, in this mayhem that's happening for many modern households, uh, the habits can be can provide this this anchor of how to realign families and individuals and even communities into the habits that really sustain radiant longevity.
0: What I think is really cool, obviously somewhere along the line, like you said, you started just going to yoga studios, right? And, and this is where folks, you want to listen because the key to Kate's success Was ultimately to develop a community, right? I mean, like it wasn't just. Talk to us a little bit about that, because there's some sort of thread, obviously, of bringing people together around a common interest that emerged
2: here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first course, I the first course, so I taught classes in San Francisco. Then I moved back to the Teton Mountains. I'm an avid skier, snowboarder, biker, whitewater paddleboarder, outdoor adventurer, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go where I want to be. and I started teaching the Yogi Detox, and that was my first community course. And it gained a it gained a following, even though I was, it was in a tiny valley in a tiny town. Uh, demand grew, and people would travel to come to my Yogi Detox, which was uh, a this was back before detoxing was hip. Uh, and I taught it twice a year. I'd go to to Jackson Hole. I'd go to Idaho. And it, what happened is people started getting you know more and more on my email email list, and they wanted more and more curriculum around Ayurveda. And so I started to. I just started to teach that. I started to help them find their shared interests in their own communities with these habits, and so the community started to develop quite quickly. Uh, and then, and then they demanded their own things. And this is, you know, anyone who's listening who's a community developer. Like you don't have to be too smart. Uh, quite honestly, you just have to be a great listener and listen for the threads, listen for the words between the lines, and. And see where the community wants to go, and then build the structure and the infrastructure to help the community go there. And if there's anything I've done fairly well in my career, it's been that.
0: Now, folks, Kate also does speak on this very topic, which is what she's going to be talking about at Social Media Marketing World. And what I would love you to talk about right now, Kate, is why do you feel Community is so important for business. Why has it been important for your business? Why is it important for other business? You know, marketers that are listening right now, talk to us.
2: Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting because I I I've thought a bit about this more and more because there's a component of it where you're where for me personally, I'm like, wow. There's there's some effort involved and there's a there's a price tag involved with growing and maintaining a community and how that might translate into revenue is. Is curious to me. Right. For me, with podcast listeners, they they often become amazing course members. And when they come into the courses, it's like they've already been onboarded by the community itself. And there's something to that. Right. When your community starts to do a lot of the work of getting people ready to purchase or helping people. Actually assimilate into whatever it is that your product or service delivers, like to become more ready to receive that or to do that or to love that. Uh, there's a huge transference that goes from from the leader or the developer of products, whatever that might be in, in someone's business who's listening. There's a transference of that that goes to the community itself. So the community starts to be able to take on more and more responsibility. We already talked about it a little bit, or I mentioned it in terms of like product development, but also in terms of onboarding and even in terms of customer services is these prosumers, as they're often called, these these prosumer communities where the 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 people that are not generally just, just consuming, but they're actually proactive, that they start to nourish the needs of the of the company itself.
0: And I'll add a little bit to this. You know, we have a very loyal community here under the Social Media Examiner brand. um, And many of them show up at Social Media Marketing World, which you have experienced, Kate. And um, what's really kind of cool is what, what Kate is saying is true. Like when people on social are saying, should I come to Social Media Marketing World? Oftentimes it's their friends or members of the community that have been that say, yes, absolutely, you need to go. Here's how it can help you. Here's how you can prepare for that. That's what you're talking about, Kate, right? They almost, because they have been so helped by the experience that we're selling, both of us, right, they don't even think twice about evangelizing for you and helping bring more people into the tribe, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and then, as you know, they also do the work of maintaining culture, so if you look at an event and you have new people coming in and you have an experienced culture of, of, hey, this is the, these are the values. This is the values of my company. We can tell at social media marketing world, we have an insight into the values of your organization. and And we get that hit and you get that experience of it. So the most experienced people at social media marketing world, whether they're the speakers or whether they're the attendees, they do the job of maintaining culture and even evolving culture. And then they also do the job, again, of onboarding the new people who come in so that they get a hit of this is how this goes around here. One of my favorite examples of this is World Domination Summit. Uh, That's Talk to us about that. I'm familiar with
0: that. Yeah, talk to us about that.
2: Well they they just I mean it, you're walking into a culture and they overtake a city um Portland it's a, it's an amazing experience where the actual city transforms for 3 days and you can feel it i mean anyone in the city at that time is like what is going on here like there's a there's a there's a there's an ethos to that culture and part of the ethos there's don't look at your phone talk to someone mm. so you're in a city Right, but because this ethos has been established over the years and years of development of that event and of the community, the culture that goes with that event. You're in a highly engaged atmosphere. So even someone who's not actually quote unquote at the event, because again, and like they overtake a city, say you just like run into like five people with the you know with the name tag or the bag or whatever, and you start to see like, hey, what are you guys doing? And these people are going to very much engage in conversation because that's part of the ethos.
0: Talk to me about belonging. Talk to me about like that cheer song, every, you want to go everybody knows your name. I mean, is there something yeah. about not being all alone? Talk to us about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and what I like to say is don't underestimate the power of belonging and the desire to belong. And, and for those of you listening or saying like, you know, I don't want to belong to anything that would have me as a member that uh, I can't remember who said that quote. Uh, but there's a sense of even, even those who are quite rebellious find the people that they want to hang out with. And when you find your you're people where one of the, the hallmarks for me is where you have the most dynamic conversation. You have the most potential for next level creativity. When you're in that, when you're with people in that, like you're with the group that you feel the most belonging with. And that's something that once you experience that, it's really hard to take a few steps back. It's, it's hard to hang out with might feel like stale relationships or people that might not actually have the same ethos on a very deep level as you do. So for example, like part of our ethos is we orient towards thrive. It's very simple, but in any given situation, my community and the members of my community are gonna ask themselves like, where's thrive? Like how can I orient myself in this moment towards thrive? So if we, like I'm at an event right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be social later and I'll most likely be drinking bubbly water sparkling mineral water. I'm just simply orienting towards what's hydrating to my body because I'm traveling, I'm editing a book, there's a lot going on. I'm just going to in that moment say, "Hey, an alcoholic beverage or a non-al I'm going to go towards thrive right now, which is going to be a bubbly beverage that mm-hmm. doesn't have alcohol in it." And it's these little it's these little things that when you're able to live in line with your ethos and you're able to connect with other people at that level, there's a sense of ease. And in that sense of ease, there's also a lot more power. And it can be somewhat habit-forming to be like, I like this better than hanging out with people that maybe don't orient towards thrive, that might be in victim mode or might feel like there's nothing that, uh, that they can do to control their experience or circumstances. It's a very different type of conversation. So, again, when you find your people And it's a level of ethos that's happening. It's a level of of culture and acculturation that you're like, I like this culture. I'm better. I'm a better version of me here. You come alive. You become more vibrant. And your desire to be part of that or to belong grows very strong.
0: Well, and I'm I'm almost feeling like today, because we are so connected to everything and everyone, that there is more desire and need for us to belong to some group where we're amongst people that feel and care about the same things we do. So I think this is an incredible business opportunity for anyone listening right now that doesn't really have this part figured out, which is like, Hey, this could be your big differentiator. And for those people that are thinking, okay, I want to figure out a way to build a thriving community, but I don't necessarily want everyone to be part of my community. How do we know who should Be cultivated. I don't know how else to ask that. You understand what I'm asking, right?
2: Yeah. Well, this is really interesting. And to me it does it really does start with with your ethos or your values. And this is where the, you know, the hanging of your freak flag, your language for your company should be very specific, original, and unique to you. So for instance, like we we say things a little different than other communities. So even in Ayurveda, it's my work is very noticeable because I don't speak like the, a traditional practitioner at all. I have a very innovative language that's just part of my natural personality type. Uh, so we, one of the things that we like to do is just tell the who about each other, tell the community about itself. So for anyone who has a business, like you might already have this, you might have very well developed uh, values for your company and an avatar image for your company that really speaks to the person. So that when your prosumer is, you know, when the person who's buying your stuff, when they read it, they're like, oh my gosh, how are you inside of my head? And if you haven't gotten to that level yet you're, you're not going to be able to access that power of belonging. Uh, so, and this is some, yeah, let's talk
0: this out. So like, I think I have this figured out, but I may not actually have this figured out. So if I think, if I think of the, the, the various tribes that, that we have in our community here at social media examiner, I think that the, um, the one that we probably service the most is the person who is working in a company and their job is marketing, and they are completely confused and overwhelmed by the constant change that's going on. And they want to be around people that are suffering from the same struggles and challenges that they are, but they also want to know kind of which direction to go. Am I close? Because I feel like that's who my tribe is, but I don't know. Help me take this deeper if I should be taking it deeper.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I want to ask you, what is, so you gave us a lot of struggle, which is great. Like that's right. the pain pill, but like, what's the, what's the vitamin where, Okay,
0: so their desire is to the be the cool hero thing? They that want that to be the hero, desire, but what yeah. makes
2: them cool? What makes them cool already as they are right
0: uh, now? What makes them cool is they know things other people don't know. And they there know they, their superpower is that they understand this complex changing world in a way that no one else inside the company does. And they help bring yeah. revenue and opportunity to the business.
2: So they have their finger on the pulse of how the marketplace is evolving. Yes. So like that, see how my language was a little more specific there? Right. That's the That's the next step then is that refinement of language. So they read that and they're like, yeah, I do have my finger on the pulse of where the marketplace is evolving, you know, specific to my industry Right. in a way that I, I'm uniquely seated to help my company thrive, you know? And at that level, they're like, wow, thank you. Now I can go tell my boss what I do so I can get a raise, <laughs> you know, and you're servicing them.
0: Right. Okay, perfect. I like that. So everyone who's listening should be thinking about their, you know. And, and by the way, in our case, we also have professors who teach us stuff at universities. We also have students who are trying to get jobs. We also have uh, business owners who are solopreneurs and consultants and trying to do it all. We have all of those, but the one thing that they all share in common is that they are marketers, and someone is looking to them to help make a difference. So maybe that's you know, but, but I know that not everybody in my tribe is necessarily going to be part of the community, right? Because there are some people that are marketers that don't care about these things, right? There are some marketers in other industries where all they care about is scaling anonymizing, not engaging with customers. That's not our community. So sometimes it doesn't make sense for us to be clear who is, and who is not part of our tribe.
2: Yeah. And that's exactly right. So you then at that point you went back to values right? You went right back to like our value is to, is that there's more going on here than just revenue. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Okay, good. So, um, what questions should we be asking ourselves when we are trying to determine who ought to be the core of the community?
2: Notice, notice who already is. I mean, that's where being that good listener, noticing who's already attracted to your brand, noticing your favorite people. I really go so much on, I mean, it's interesting. Like I'll I'll look at, you know, where the, where my, my biggest spenders are, like who those people are, who's bringing the most revenue into the company. I'll pay just as much attention to who embodies the soul of this community. Like who are the people that are my friends? Who are the people I want to spend the most time with? Because they're picking up something that I'm, like we're resonating on the same level, essentially. Right. Like we're, we're on the same way in blank. We're having the most dynamic conversations together. And that's what people are going to be attracted into this community for is just that.
0: Cool. And once we identify those people, you know, what do we, do we, how do we, how do we, how do we determine like how we find other, what other questions should we be asking in order to kind of like say, well, what is it about these people and how do we get more like them? I mean, talk to me.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. So, so this is where this tell your who about each other. Once you're there, you can come up with some really specific language. You can actually start to see, well, what differentiates us from everybody else? And that's where the, that's where the magic is. So I have an infographic that has that. And it was interesting because we created this with very specific language and I'll read you a little bit of it. Uh, we send it out in an email. We've about 40,000 people on the email list. So we sent this out just saying like, Hey, this is who we are together. And that email, I was shocked because it was, I I mean, you know how it goes. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to see what they think of this. And I was expecting it to, you know, just kind of bump along, but it didn't just bump along. I got so many direct responses. The open rates were huge. The click-through rates, the infographic were huge. And I got this message that was basically, you see me and you just gave me language to explain myself. And once we get to that level with language, then what's happening is the who can tell each other about each other, the community can grow. So for example, if for, for me and, and my language, it's different. It's different than like how normal, how normal people speak. So uh, you are on a lifelong journey of thrive. You prioritize connectivity. You resonate with ancient wisdom traditions like yoga and Ayurveda. You welcome practical skills and tools for aligned, easeful living. You help others evolve and are a change maker. Your ambition is lurking beneath the surface and ready to be ignited. You appreciate the value of mentors, guides, gurus, teachers, and coaches. So those are just a few that we came up with that when people, our people read that, they're like, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's me. How in the world when, did you
0: come up with that? Because some people are fascinated by what you just said and might want to come up with something like that for their own
2: you know, groups, if you will. Yeah, again, I took my favorite customers. I took my favorite customers and my favorite people that uh, were becoming leaders in my community. So they were becoming other coaches. Uh, they had been around long enough. Like again, I'm, I'm like you, I'm like've <laughs> been in this for the long game. I've started in 2001. I'm 46 or I'm going to be 46 next week. Uh, and it's, you know, just seeing over time, like who, who are we together? And when we ask that question, and like, how are we a little bit different? And also, this is such an easy. This is like, this especially if you're in sales. Like, perk your ears, and everyone in marketing is really connected to sales and is also in sales. Is what are the objections you're going to have to overcome? And if you can answer those objectives with a value. So, for instance, you appreciate the value of mentors, guides, gurus, teachers, and coaches. For someone who does it, they've invested. And we can ask on a sales conversation then how much have you invested in teachers, guides, gurus, and coaches? And my people will have like flown to India to be with a guru, but they might have trouble investing about the same ticket price for an online course that could actually get them more results, mm. their, their desired end results. But they don't know this, right? They haven't thought this through in their rational mind. They just did what everyone else did it. Go to India, study with a guru, come back, and you've spent, you know, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars. Uh, you've had a peak experience, which is wonderful, but you might not have the, the, the deep, long life skills that you were actually going there for.
0: When we think about community, how many people does it take to truly have a community? And let's talk about the smallest possible numbers, because some people listening right now are not as far along as you are. Um, talk to us, like, how big of a community do we need in order to really have a thriving community?
2: It's such a, I, I just love this question. And when I look back, it's funny. When I look back to the first community that I really started to gather around me, it was not Driggs, Idaho. Again, like this little tiny valley in the – I shouldn't say it because I don't want anyone else to move there. It's in such a gorgeous place. And it's super tranquil and quiet. And I started to teach a yogi detox course. And a few people came. The first one, six people came. The next year, I taught two. And we had maybe about 15 people in each. Well, after a few years, and again, this is offline, like this is analog. <laughs> We're going back to the Luddites here. I was showing up live in person in this little town and people started to come from farther away. By the time we had, you know, 40 or 50 people coming for this, I was starting to see a big bump in income. You know, at the time I was a solopreneur. I didn't have team, uh, but I started to see this this big bump. Like I, I could depend on that being my revenue generator in the spring and in the fall. And I didn't have to do really anything else than just teach those couple of things. So, I mean, for me at that point, it was like, you know, 40 or 50 people was enough to more or less sustain me for for half a year.
0: And it sounds crazy to think right now that you could sustain yourself for 40 or 50 people online, but it's possible, people. I mean, it's like we've just been duped by these big numbers that we see from other people, right? But it doesn't take hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, or even thousands to be successful, am I right?
2: Yeah, and we might not even we might not even want we might not even want that. And there's something that there's some sort of bigger is better supersize me, you know, component to American culture in particular. That we want to look really particularly at when we're growing a, a community, whether it is local or online. Because there's, and, and I, I'm so into inclusivity, but there's also something about, like, what what can you do together? And what is, you know, and many of you are familiar with the minimal viable product. Like, what's that? What's the MVP of your community? Like, what's a minimum viable community that can make something happen that you can't do without that community component of your business. And even if it's just like a clothing drive for, you know, for kids that don't have enough stuff, right? Like fantastic. So it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be something that's so big. And again, communities develop themselves, they co-create their own content. In my experience, they I I mean I'm looking right now at this book that um, was that Body Thrive is re-released this week. It's actually it was picked up. By, I wrote it and it was picked up by uh, I self-published and it was picked up by a publisher and four years later. And now it's re-released. The reason this book exists, Michael, isn't because I needed to write a book. <laughs> I have a 10 year old like I needed to go skiing. I needed to run a company. I didn't need to write a book. The community demanded the book. Hmm. They demanded the course, and then they have demanded the certification course to be able to be pro healers and teach it. It wasn't like me coming up with these great ideas by myself in my office at all. And that's where to me that it's so exciting when you think of what is trying to happen around my business? What's trying to happen around the products and services that I'm most driven to create and wanting to bring into the world? And then what's trying to happen around there? Who's who's helping? You know, by buying this stuff in the first place, like what are those people like? Who are my favorites? And then what could we really do together? And sometimes just getting enough out of the way, getting enough out of the day to day business mindset and asking those bigger questions and noticing and respecting your intuition and the thoughts that'll start to come in starting to notice I should call so-and-so and and we should actually maybe meet in person and have a conversation on this and in person. And this might be on Zoom or on Skype or it might be somewhere where you're in real life. But having, having these conversations and getting some input and starting to take the idea that you need to do this and even that you need to lead this, all you might really need to do is build a little bit of infrastructure around a conversation. And all of a sudden, the community will start to actually drive the product and service development of the company, as well as the customer service.
0: Let's talk about the where question. Where should we build our communities? We already know that you started building a community in a small town. But let's talk beyond that. You know, where else where can we build where should we build help us because the where question i'm sure is going through some people's minds right now
2: yeah yeah so i mean there's there's the natural places that your your people already hang out so you've already done your values you've already gone through your your infographic where you are telling your people about who they are so that they can they can self recognize and then really the question is like where are these people already so especially if you're trying to build an online community which my guess is everyone here is uh, you're just looking at where are your people already. So you never want to try to like get a community to go to a new platform. You just want to show up in the platform that they're already using. So when I started, that was Facebook. Now they're, you know, they're moving more to Instagram. So I'll follow them over there. Uh, we might experiment a little bit more with, with LinkedIn as we're moving a little bit, as the, basically as the yoga teachers and, and holistic wellness pros are using that platform more, we'll start going over, over there more. So we go to where they are. And then we simply develop infrastructure. So that might be creating a Facebook group. It might be having certain kind of Facebook lives or posts or whatever the equivalent is on the platform where your people already are, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on Pinterest, right? Like going to where they are and then noticing how they want to communicate and noticing how to facilitate the conversation. And when you start thinking that way, I mean, this I love this quote from Seth Godin who wrote Tribes. Leaders lead when they take positions, when they connect with their tribe, and when they help the tribe connect to itself. So all you're asking really is, you know, for everyone listening, all you're asking is like, how how can I just use technology in a way that doesn't get in their way? It actually doesn't get in their way of them talking to each other.
0: Yeah, we and- uh, we have an example of this. Uh, this is recorded before Social Media Marketing World, but this is publishing after Social Media Marketing World. We have this app. Uh, That we developed for everyone. And I gosh, I don't even know, like eight or 9,000 messages are already popping through that app. And and that's another place where people could, you know, but this is an event app, right? But it just so happens to have a uh, component in it to allow people to schedule like meetups and lunches and breakfasts and all that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of going crazy. Um, In the past, we've also used Slack. I mean, there's no limit, is there really, to the kinds of places where people online could potentially meet up but you also go beyond online yeah. talk about what you do in person because i know you were recently gathering together with some of your um people right
2: yeah 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 and this actually i want to tie this a little bit back to to your revenue question because there's there's ways that uh you don't have to have a huge event to hit a, a higher revenue target depending on your avatar et cetera. so we we had 45 people meet up in in person in mexico i I don't like to travel all that much cuz it cuts into my running my business and surfing and writing books and and raising my daughter time and and hanging out with my husband. And and so I have them come to me. So it's this gorgeous I live in this gorgeous place in Mexico, so they all come in and we do a live event together where I'm teaching them how to build community essentially. I'm teaching them how to grow what they're what I'm teaching them throughout the whole year on online. to spread that more in their local and in their own online communities and so i'm giving them the tools and we're co-creating and using those tools together then they go home and they keep using those tools in their in their communities to develop and to evolve that but one of the fascinating things is they do their own meetups without me like they do events and they don't even invite me i find out about them later and i love that like that's my favorite thing like the ones that are meeting up in germany or the ones that are meeting up in portland or the east coast contingent or the new you know the east the new yorkers and And that's where, you know, sometimes just giving ideas or giving a little quick guide of like, hey, here's if you want to do a, if you, you know, I could brand it to Yoga Healer. If you want to do a Yoga Healer meetup, you know, do the, this is how I would structure it. And I might just give them a little tip sheet, uh, which they may or may not use, but they usually do. They, They love that stuff. And they find that like, oh, wow, that structure is fantastic. So... Looking at the structures, you know, if everyone listening in your own company, like where where is it just fun for the members to actually meet each other or to, for your customers to to get together? And then what is it what is advantageous for them to do that they can't do online? And when we we really focus in on that. So, for instance, at my retreats, I don't teach much. I lead and I guide and I and I create a lot of interconnective exercises for them to do so that they're able to learn from each other. they're able to inter to just create with each other and and play and think and have these dynamic conversations at a totally different level than they're able to have in other at really in other times in their life. And that's because they share this whole body of work of what we do during the year online things that we don't need to be in the flesh for. And so just looking at that of like, what could you do? Like what kind of events would your people want to come to? What, what kind of, you know, what, what are the things that you're into? So for my group, like we're, we're in, we teach the habits of yogis. We teach the habits of enlightenment. So with my group, like 9 PM, like people are done. They're in bed, but they're going to get together at dawn before the dawn, to watch the sunrise and to do yoga and to meditate together. And they will do that of their own volition. They won't do that because they should do it. They'll do it because they can't wait to do it.
0: I want to, so ask, real- you, yeah, I want to ask you about um, how you um, structure your content and or your conversations in order to develop community, because I know there's a whole bunch of things that you do. Maybe you could share some of that with us.
2: Yeah, yeah, you bet. And like I said, I let the community source their own desires. Like, what do they want to do? Can I build the infrastructure around that? And I do want to mention that we use rules. And rules are something that have helped me tremendously. So when we're creating content, because they're they're creating podcasts, they're writing blog posts, they're creating a lot of the content that we publish. And there's if anyone here <laughs> knows like you got you got to have someone write the show notes. They've got to be standardized. You want to have SEO behind everything so that people can actually find it. There's a cost to generating and publishing and sharing content. And so for us to do that in a meaningful way, we have we have rules around it. Um, and to me, that's really important. Like if you're gonna do a lot of community development you want to have ground rules for how you want people to interact and this will reflect your values it'll be a perfect match to your values and it'll actually help people raise their own bar in terms of their own ethos and their own behaviors and so that that's helped a ton so based on those those ground rules we're able to do a lot we're able to pass the microphone a lot so when i look in my community and i i see success and I think, you know, I want to hear, I want to hear that story, but maybe I'm not the person who needs to actually do the interview for that story. Maybe there's another member who's wanting to learn that, that might actually ask more appropriate questions. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a few steps ahead or a few steps down the line in, in a lot of these topics, uh, but having someone who's right there, who's actually, this is a step or two or three ahead for them. They might ask really different questions and they might actually engage the listeners quite a bit more than, than I might. Uh, and so, okay, now I'm going to pat, you know, match those those two up and give them a bit of structure. And actually, the community now self identifies it, so I don't even have to match up anymore. They self identify, and we train them. in our conferencing tool, when we'll live stream that into Facebook, we'll publish it then as a as a podcast. And and there we have a success story. So that's just one that's just one example of of a few. I'll also just do. Uh, Coach of the Month, where we I I might highlight a certain member that is has really just excelled in their own community development. So that might be another thing that is is super helpful. Coaching gems is something that just live coaching is another again a, a type of structure that is part of the content that that we publish that really helps people again tap into the product because we're a coaching company uh, at this point and also just have a sense of oh these are the kind of people that we work with.
0: Well. First of all, Kate, I just want to say this is really a fascinating dialogue um, on so many levels because so many times when we think of the concept of community, we just e- we say community equals Facebook group. And mm. what you're really saying is that community transcends technology. And it has something to do with bringing like-minded people together and allowing them to make connections, deep connections that can have an impact on their lives and their business. And what's cool about that is we don't think that way oftentimes, especially in the social media realm, we just kind of forget about.
2: <laughs> yeah, and there's the other component of of what of what else? So not just lives and business, but the whole you, you can impact an entire community by generating a community that'll go far beyond your wildest dreams at this point of conception. And I know you've experienced that, Michael. And there's something about that that you, reawakens the experience of like we can design the kind of world we want to live in.
0: Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell everyone where they can discover more about um, you and everything else that you've got going on? Kate, Stillman?
2: Yeah. YogaHealer.com. Y-O-G-A-H-E-A-L-E-R.com.
0: You also tell them about your online course also.
2: Oh, yeah. So we've got all sorts of online courses. Body Thrive is the place where we start, and that's what the habit's in. So if anyone listening wants to up-level their experience you want to have more energy you want to have more rest so you can experience peak performance if you're know that if you know what to do but you're not doing it and then you also may have some questions about hey i actually don't know if which habit to optimize in my life Then, then body thrive really is is the direction and it's for all sorts of people we have people in there with autoimmune disorders we have people that uh need to lose 100 pounds. And we have people that are yoga teachers for 20 years who just want to actually optimize and, and tweak their habits more into alignment with their potential. So it's a fantastically inclusive global community. And I am the head coach in that. It's super dynamic and, and a great way to
0: Where do we find that? To
2: thrive. That's also yogahealer.com. Everything's right there.
0: Kate Stillman, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us.
2: Oh, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure.
0: Well, I hope you find a lot of value in today's interview. And if you want to catch the notes from today's interview, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 350. Wow, 350 episodes. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your fast-talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world.